been a tough year this year. Uh, the first, well, up to August wasn't too bad, unless you lived in Auckland, in which was a pretty mixed kind of year, but for the rest of us it was not too bad. But since August, well, the game has changed, hasn't it? Delta has changed the rules, and a lot of people are feeling anxious, and uh, some are feeling annoyed and angry. Uh, we have families that aren't talking to each other because of vaccines and, and things like that. And as we are entering into this Christmas season, for a lot of people this is a tough time as they try to work out all of that and they're feeling annoyed with the government and with their employers and with each other and are struggling to make sense of all of this. So in light of that I wrote this uh, little reflection which I'll um, offer you. Because I think as we enter into this Christmas story, uh, and as we think about what's happening in our own lives, like it's a very nice story, although um, when I was at theological college, our speech teacher told us, nice only applied to, to chocolate cake. So um, it was a word that we shouldn't use. But I think we often do think about Christmas as a nice story. Um, but it's, a, it's much more than a nice story. And if we read that story and if we look at the people involved in that story, many of them are feeling exactly what we are feeling. They offer us a way of making some sense of the world that we live in at the moment. So we gather this Christmas looking for joy, looking for hope, holding our grief for what has been, for what is, for what will be. We see a babe lying in a manger bed. There we find God present in Mary's pain and doubt, wonder at the unknown, giving birth in the stable cave. Shepherds washed in fear and uncertainty, blinded by angel armies, deafening song, calling them on. Joseph's bewilderment as his simple life takes undefined turns, wishing for life as it was, as it should be. Mothers wailing, gut-wrenching despair, holding their murdered sons, sacrificed on Herod's paranoia and resentment. Foreign magi risking questing and wise searching, entering hostile lands, looking and we see a babe lying in a manger bed. There we find God present in our story, our grief, Christmas joy. God declares this world and all people worthy. God is with us, present, utterly committed, even now, ushering hope and wholeness, gifting joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I wonder where you find yourself in the Christmas story. Which of those characters and their feelings do you most identify with in their raft of different ways of engaging with that story? In one of the books that I was reading over the last week, I found this poem 
uh, which for me um, sums up a lot about what the Christmas story is about. It's called God Would Kneel Down, and it's by Daniel Ladinsky from uh, his book Love Poems from God. I think God might be a little prejudiced. For once he asked me to join him on a walk through this world, and we gazed into every heart on this earth, and I noticed he lingered a bit longer before any face that was weeping, before any eyes that were laughing, and sometimes we passed a soul in worship. God would kneel down. I have come to learn God adores his creation. In a lot of our tellings of the Christmas story, it's about God coming to fix all that's gone wrong in the world and repair the damage. Uh, but within the Franciscan family, uh, that hasn't been a strong theological theme at all. Uh, one of the early theologians was a guy called John Dun Scotus. So the, uh, the, the term Dun, uh, dunce, comes from this guy. Um, because a lot of people didn't like his theology. Uh, but a lot of people did like his theology. And, uh, I mean, his theology was very complicated, but one of the things he talked about was uh, no matter what had happened in Christmas and uh, human history, Christmas still would have happened. If everything had run exactly as God had planned, had hoped for, had intended, Christmas would still have happened because Christ was God's first thought. Because God so adores this world that God could do nothing more than come and show how much God adores this world and live among us in the person of Jesus. That the Christmas story isn't about fixing things, it's about God saying, this world is good and is worthy and is worthy of my love and adoration. And out of that invites us to return that love and adoration. It's a very different way how we often tell the Christmas story. It says that everyone is worthy of God's love, not because we've done anything, but simply because God says so. Because God has declared this world good in Genesis 1. Because God adores this world. So as we think about all that's going on in our Christmas this year, and what's going on in our families, and what's going on in other people's families, and what's going on in our world, I wonder what difference that makes. That every person is worthy and adored by God, despite their failings, and inviting them to live, all of us to live in different ways. So in light of that, you're all going to start, so I'll start my here on the screen, might not, I've lost my start. So you've got a star and a pen. I don't know what happened to my star. Uh, and uh, so this is something we do a lot of Christmases, but normally we invite you to bring your stars up here. And this year we're going to invite you to, first of all, think about what does God hope for for us this Christmas? What does God hope for? And to write some words or draw some pictures about that. 
And then, what do you hope for, for those you love? For your children, grandchildren, for those in your family. What is it that you hope for, for them? And to write something about this. And then we invite you to take these stars home and to put them on, well, if you have a Christmas tree, put them on your Christmas tree. So we're going to have little stars all over our Christmas tree. Uh, from the family that came here yesterday or around your nativity set as a reminder of the prayers that we are praying today.